Welcome everyone to the Black Prospector Show. I am your host, the Black Prospector, where we're all about teaching men how to dig for the treasure that is in them mentally, physically, and in their relationship. So, let me give a big happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And before we get into, you know, the show, I, I just want to kind of talk about Father's Day a little bit. But first, we are going to hear an interview from my father. We're going to pick up on part two of the interview that I did with dad. And before I touch on that, I do just want to make a couple of comments about Father's Day because I noticed something a bit unique with this last Father's Day that I really have not seen before. I don't know if it's the Kevin Samuels effect where now men are feeling a lot more comfortable, really in bold and saying you know, what their expectations are from not just women, but it sounds like this last weekend, they even let their expectations be known what they kind of have from their children. And I'm speaking primarily of a video that I saw by a rapper. Now I know my OGs out there, we may not be up on these rappers. I know I'm not uh, on the game. Uh, and I saw that my man did a video basically and, and I thought it took a lot of heart It took a lot of guts for my man to go on video and basically say look I don't feel like I'm appreciated on Father's Day by my kids and he even made a statement that I I know I've made it in the past He even said well, you know, maybe you know kind of these these deadbeat dads are on to something Maybe they are the ones that are doing the right thing because number one they seem to be the ones that actually get more honor when they step out within the so-called black community. But number two, and I, and I think actually we do see this often because a dad can be a deadbeat and it's amazing that sometimes kids are like, I wanna see my dad, I want my dad to be in my life. And you know, dad is bounced. But yet the dad that many kids do have that is in that home every single day or maybe even not in the home, but fights with their mama, uh, make sure that he can always have days off for their visitation. Or maybe it's the dad that is there with them every single day, day in and day out, and making sure that they have a nice cool house or a nice warm house, clothes on them, taking to school, etc. But they get overlooked on Father's Day. Now, I'm not sure. I don't know the game situation. He did reference another rapper, Boosie, and talked about, you know, the, the basically four seasons meal spread that he had out there for him on Father's Day and how cool that was. And it looks like, you know, there was a clip of even that video. And yeah, Boosie got honored. But I got to say, if Wikipedia was correct, even Boosie, they had him listed as having eight kids by six different women. So, you know, I'm just going to say it's got to be kind of hard to spend a lot of time with your kids but shout out to him if he's a if his kids still honored him and he has all those quote-unquote baby mamas and he has all of those kids and yet he's still getting honored on father's day then i think the men that are there 24 7 with their kids should be honored even more and so i think the game was was on to something a bit uh, and I know talking to guys over the weekend, it was something I heard, that, you know, whether it was my dad, you know, my son, just on the honor that, you know, sometimes you just want a day, probably Father's Day and your birthday are the only two days you want to step back and not be dad. In other words, you don't want to have to think of every, where we going, how, when we leaving, uh, who's driving, um, who's paying. You know, especially when your kids get older, you have to do that, obviously, when they're younger. But when they get older, you want to kind of be able to sit back and for once get taken care of. And I think that was the desire of a lot of men uh, this past weekend. So, uh, you know, pro tip, 
if we do have any ladies in the audience listening, but primarily even if we have some sons that are, you know, not fathers themselves, but the question becomes, did you honor your dad today? Or shall I say on Father's Day? Did you give him any kind of, uh, I don't know, take, take any of the dad things off of his plate that he always has to deal with all other 364 days out of the week? Because here's a pro tip for you. It's not about the gift. Most of the time we make the money anyway. So what are you going to buy us that we really can't buy ourselves? Now, of course, if you balling like that and you can buy your dad something that he normally won't buy himself and, or can't afford. OK, fine. Even better. But, you know, I think it's amazing that especially men or and I'll say women as well in this case. But I'm talking to you know a male audience here. Men will spend time figuring out Gary Chapman's five love languages because they try to read the five love languages to teach them how to push up on some tail and to get their woman that they have one itis for to love them so much. And let me try to speak her love language. Oh, girl, girl, what's your love language? Oh, you like, okay, so she, and, and here they are, they, they're writing in their journals. Okay, uh, she, or really, we, you know, I'm sure guys nowadays don't use journals. They putting it in their phone. She said that gifts, that's her love language. Uh, she said, well, words of encouragement, um, affection, but, you know, my brother actually made mention one time, he said, you know, these the, the way people like their quote unquote love language, it extends beyond romantic relationships. That's any of us. So if you take the time to figure out some chick's love language that's here today, gone tomorrow and probably with your boy next week. How does your dad? What's his love language? In other words, what really has value to him? It's probably not money. It may be gifts. That may be his thing. I'm, so it, it could possibly be giving him a gift is very special. But again, most men have the money. They can buy it themselves. But a lot of times we just don't. But is maybe is, is your dad's love language words of encouragement? And, and believe me, I make fun of the love language thing. So I'm using it tongue in cheek, but I'm using it because everyone else seems to be so enamored with that concept these days. So I'm just flipping it around and say, you know what, if you're going to be caught up all into that, then just use which I, I which I do think the system is true in this regard. How do people feel you that you make them feel appreciated? In what ways do they feel valued? And so if your dad feels valued with a gift, then great. Give him a gift. Maybe your dad feels valued if you just called him up and just told him how much, you know, you appreciate what he's done for you over your life. Maybe your dad feels valued because he might be an OG and he's not, you know, he's tough. He doesn't get into all of those emotional things, but he might feel valued when you take him somewhere, when you spend time with him. Maybe it's going to a car show. Maybe it's going out to golf. Maybe it's going whatever y'all do. Maybe that's how your dad feels valued. But do you ever think about that? And lastly, I'll say, you know, for for all of us, do we take care of our dads the same way that we take care of our mothers on Mother's Day? Because I think in probably most households, the answer is nope. Because probably when it comes to dad, dad gets the bold tie. Dad gets the the, the janky uh, book, the gift certificate. Uh, but when it's Mother's Day, the kids go all out. They make sure they give thought into that gift. You know, does dad get the five dollar gift or no gift at all? But on Mother's Day, 
you turn around and you probably spend triple digits for her gift? Does dad not even get, you know, let's say you live in the same town or your parents are in, still in the same house. Does dad not even get taken out on Father's Day? You just call or just go over there and, and say, hey, happy Father's Day, dad. But on Mother's Day, y'all make sure you make sure you never go to church any other time of year. But you go to church with mama on Mother's Day because you know that's special for her. And she want everybody in church to see her baby. And then y'all go out to dinner. And then again, you spend triple digits to make sure she has that nice gift because you want to put it on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram. And you want your mama to show that nice gift that her son brought her. Or you want to be able to show the great time y'all had together. I think it's cool that men can now start talking about this of not feeling appreciated. So I hope, gentlemen, that you did feel appreciated on Father's Day. If you didn't, well, I guess keep listening because that's why we're here. That's why we have every black man has a story. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to, to talk about these types of topics. And so today I'm going to roll right into part two of the interview that I did with my dad. And speaking of appreciation, I'm definitely going to say, and I have said this, I've said this publicly, I've spoken in front of four or 500 people. So I have no problem giving honor to my father in front of folks, strangers in a totally different arena, where it's not, we're not talking about fatherhood, we're not talking about um, you know, anything involving parenting, but I will still give credit to where I am at because of some things that my dad did. So I definitely have no problem saying it here before we go into this interview. In this segment of the interview, we talk about protecting the family. The reason why that's important, and we talked about this a little bit in the first part of the interview, so definitely go back and check out part one because we touched on it and this is a continuation. But the fact uh, that my dad did some things that I'm not going to talk about here on, on air, that might be a subject for another day, but some things that'll get you put in jail nowadays, I'll say that. Some things that get you definitely put in jail nowadays. You know, my dad did it to protect the household. And looking back at it, growing up in the D, where basically it was a case of, I have to make sure that the streets and that these clowns out here in the streets don't harm my family. That's not gonna happen. Not on my watch. We get into that. And so we didn't get into all the stories, but I'll tell just, you know, a, a couple in particular. You know, one time I remember my father made me a bike and it had a steering wheel on it. You know, for those who know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, that was a big thing for you to put a steering wheel on your bike. So I had this, you know, kind of a, a fake Schwinn because you know, we had money to get a real Schwinn. So I had this fake Schwinn, but my dad put a steering wheel on that. And the steering wheel actually, it, it, I remember him working so hard to make sure that the steering wheel was like straight like it is in a car. But I think because of the way the bolts lined up, <laughs> let's just say on a regular steering wheel in a car, the 12 or, or the three and nine positions were on the bike, they were at like 12 and six. But you know what? There still weren't very many other kids in my neighborhood that had a steering wheel on their bike. So all the kids wanted to ride my bike and one time they even tried to you know they kicked me off and took my bike and remember he told me to go down and grab a brick and throw a brick at him to get my bike and i did that but i digress um the thing is my father 
not being an engineer you know he wasn't the kind of guy where you know we didn't have a garage he didn't have a whole bunch of stuff in the back where he was always building things instead i look back at that and i appreciate the sweat and the toil that he took upon himself to try to build it for me not for him for me and i appreciate that and a one time i remember coming home and i i did what all kids do right you ride your bike up and down the street we lived on a busy street and i came and i just put my bike right by the porch and i ran in the house probably went in to get something to drink or whatever wasn't in the house probably one minute and someone else came knocking at the door and you know we had the door open i was like who's this at the door and it was a guy said who he, he said hey a guy just stole your bike i just remember my father darting outside the door gone running down the street and my dad came back i'm guessing it probably was 15 minutes later you know it felt like it was like five minutes later or something in my in my life but i'm sure it was a little bit longer and it was like what happened what happened and my father was coming back and i think before my father got back actually the guy that told us that the dude stole the bike he came back with my bike and then I think my dad came back shortly thereafter. And I remember my father talking about that dude ran. Now I live between two mile roads and that dude ran all the way a half mile hurtling, you know, doggone fences like, like, you know, he's Carl Lewis, you know, jumping hurdles. I mean, this dude was booking and my father said, you know, he, he got away, but my old dude was, he, he wasn't a spring chicken even then when that happened. And so this young dude definitely did not get my bike. And he ran fearing for his life <laughs> over a bike. But you know what? That's what a man does to protect his family. And so I got my bike back. But what I got even more was a lesson of how I should always protect my family. And you don't let anyone mess with your family. And so think about it. We talk a little bit about single moms and how the streets ended up changing as we started having more single moms in the black community. But, and as Neely Fuller said, we really can't even call ourselves a community. Again, that's a topic for another show. But the main thing is, that was an example to me. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of those protection stories. That's what you as a father bring to your household. And so I'm going to say this again, right where I started. If you can't really give appreciation to your father for much of anything, you at least give appreciation to your father on Father's Day for being there to protect you. Because if he wasn't there to protect you, maybe it would be you that got fondled by the Catholic priest. Maybe it would be you that got fondled by the youth group minister at the sleepovers or by the basketball coach or he, hey, maybe even by the U of M coach. Maybe it would be you that could have been molested or taken away by a neighbor maybe it could have been you that was getting beat up by someone and you knew you couldn't fight back or that a whole bunch of dudes are doing something to you and you didn't have your father there to protect you you had no one to run home to if your father was there for you to run home to it might be after father's day now but do me a favor if your dad is still alive Call your dad or go see your dad and just say, I thank you for being there and being my protector. Because as a man, you did for your family what was supposed to be done. With that, 
let's get in to part two of my interview with every black man has a story and listen to the story of my father. One thing I remember about him is that he had a tremendous love for sports and I have his old scrapbook now and I was even surprised, which um, is not too much of a surprise because so many men, especially black men around the thirties and the forties were in love with boxing. But I know he really, he, he really installed the love for me for baseball. Now you never were really one big for sports. When you were younger, did he try to get you into sports? Was there a reason why you kind of gravitated for something that he enjoyed so much? No, he would. I remember him with baseball. The only thing about baseball that really bugged me, I had to get up and turn the TV with the pliers and stuff like that. And finally, I ran outside <laughs> somewhere where I wouldn't have to do that anymore. But you couldn't disturb him when the game was on. Even he listened to it on the radio. And to me, what could be more boring than that? Hey. <laughs> he, would, <laughs> he would do that. He, you know, I could play baseball. You know, with Buddy and Fred, Nate, and all. We played baseball good. That was fun. And that's, I guess, how we stayed so slim because we ran up and down the street all day. And I could do that. But then it came to the car, the automobile. For some reason, it clicked. I just love vehicles. And I got into that. And he never was into cars. I mean, mm. He's the kind of guy that bought a Galaxy 500 and thought he had a V8 and a six-cylinder. That's <laughs> how much he knew about a car. <laughs> Great looking car. And I was the slowest kid on the block. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was a ride. But I never got into sports. And when he would go to games, he would go with his buddies, you know, Rex and those guys at church. He would go go with all his buddies, but never me. Mm. Never even thought about taking me. Mm. Mm. So this is why I never really knew that much about sports. Because then as I grew up, I thought about how the world gravitates towards sports, how much money these sports players make. Mm. It doesn't make no sense to make that kind of money. And then you have mm. cops and teachers can't make any money. That doesn't make sense to me. So I didn't want to get involved. I'd prefer to do something I can participate in if I chose to. Okay. Well, speaking of money, what was your father's profession? First, uh, let me ask this, because I think this is always a good setup to, for what we end up even thinking about as we grow up. First, what was your father's education level at that time? And what was his profession that you you know first remember or that he ended up retiring from i believe he went to the fifth or sixth grade he said he didn't do much schooling but he always did tell me you know if you can read and count you can get through life and he was good at that as far as you know keeping track of everything and have has a ledger of everything all his bills every dime spent stuff like that even right down to the gas he bought that week he was good at that and as far as his job, I always remember him working for Uniroyal, the big place down by Belal with the big stove. He's always mm -hmm. worked there. At badge number 7721, never forget that. <laughs> so, but that's where he made his living. And he used to take me down there like maybe twice a year and I'd get some brand new US kids out of the store. I thought I was into something. <laughs> But I always had a new set of tires when I did have a car, you know, new set of tires, Tiger Paws, stuff like that. You mm. get discounts on those. 
Mm. That's another thing I've learned from him. Always keep a good set of tires on your car. So I've learned that from him. Mm. Now, I know that Granddaddy also served in World War Two on Okinawa. I was my first memories was going through his scrapbook. So I, 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 you telling me this makes a lot of sense of the records he kept, because I see now he always had a scrapbook kind of logging history, which I guess here I am doing this now. Um, but what what do you recall? Uh, did he ever talk to you about serving in World War Two and his military experience? Not that much. He, my father, Mr. Reed, and uh, I forgot the guy's name next door, little guy next door. They used to sit on the porch and talk to some of the kids about what they did in the military. And we knew they were lying. <laughs> they were just, <laughs> just telling lies. You didn't do all of that. But, you know, just, what is that? When they put that flag up on the, he said, one of those guys with him. I know better than that. He always stuck with stuff like that. But I thought, at first, I thought, that's my dad. That can't be him. But he, he would tell us, you know, stories. And I also heard stories of, you know, what they did after the war. And about marijuana. It was out back then. I never heard of marijuana until I was 19 years old. You know, he said, they had it back in the war. I didn't know that. Mm. Stuff like that. Mm. So he, he, he was very active. He was a quartermaster, I believe. Sergeant. Mm. He liked it, but you know, I wasn't. I was born after he, he got out, or as he was right. getting out. Right. And from what I recall, when I was looking at his age, he was relatively old to be in the military back then. I think he was in his thirties, if I remember correct, correctly. Uh, which you know, at at the time when I learned that, I was thinking my mid thirties, and I'm like, mm, this kind of old <laughs> to be, especially in World War Two. And, and I don't think he served that long. So when he went in, obviously, because it was a war, uh, he had to go in. But um, I never really remember Granddaddy being very patriotic, not like we see today. Um, did he ever seem that way to you or, or was it something in his heart? Was he did he have this love for the United States of America? No, <laughs> he just go to work, live day to day. Mm. Just get over. It. He didn't. He, he never really talked about it. flag or nothing like that. No, no issues. Mm. Mm. I mean, okay. even looking way, trying to think back, he's never mentioned the military except in a joking way. The things he did, and the funniest had stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and the women and all of that. So women, yeah, we had women over there. Talking about his buddies getting cut up and a guy jumping in the snake pit. And, snakes in there and he just shot them all up and snakes I beat them all story. up. Stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. So we tell the same story. So it must be true. <laughs> oh, he told us so many right. times. <laughs> like the big lie. Right. <laughs> yeah. So he had a couple of big lies. But it was so comical you couldn't have a laugh at it. But he, he was, he was well, good. And you know, you know, over the years we traveled a lot together because he and I just traveling. So that was the fun things I miss. So do you think that what if what do you think your life would have been like had your parents not gotten a divorce and you would have probably been raised just with both of them or maybe if they would have gotten a divorce when you were 18? How would your life probably would, when you reflect on that or if you ever do you think it would have turned out any differently or your relationship with him would have turned out bad, better or worse? Well, I think with my with both of them together, they could have come to a more of an agreement on things 
because I do remember them. He didn't want me to go this place. My mother said I could go, then she would sneak me out, you know, like to ride in a truck with my own clearance on a day, you know, I was supposed to be in school, but she let me do it. <laughs> but he, he had a fit, things like that. But as far as being different, I would have stayed in school a lot longer because she would have made sure that mm. he, mm. like I said, he was very indifferent. He said, well, you stay in school, you get married or go in the army. Well, I tried to go in the army. They wouldn't take me. Said so I had flat feet. <laughs> and I looked at Virginia next door. I said, hey, you know how that worked out? I'm still there. So what year was that that you tried to go into the army? 64, 65, so 64, was, something like that. So this would have been right around the time the U.S. was really beginning to build up for Vietnam. Right, right. I, I tried to go. My buddies went. Fred, mm. Nate, Alan, all of them went. Buddy, but I didn't go. Mm. So I tried to try all the services. Navy, <laughs> Air Force, tried all of them. They said, nope. Wow. Wow. So when, when you said school, so then how far did you end up going in school? I went right up to the 12th grade and I said, that's it. And I told my dad, I'm not going to school. I don't care. Go to do something, get a job. I went to Ford's. And, you know, I went to mm -hmm. Ford Motor Company and wow, I was making the big bucks then. At least as far as money concerned for a kid because I used to wash cars, a dollar a car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was big money for me. So I was thinking about going back to school then. But in the later years, I had to go get the GED thing. Mm -hmm. Detroit Urban Institute. But other than that, I, don't know, I just I think I would have been in college and gone a lot farther. And like I would tell the kids today, do not get out of school. Learn as much as you can. Read as much as you can. And there are jobs now, like the what, aircraft, air, airplane. What do you call it? Controllers. Okay. Air, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Air traffic controllers. Air traffic controllers. In NTSB and all that jobs like that, I didn't know about coming up. I would have loved to do something like that, mm. not work at a steel mill. But I, I, I knew I didn't even know there were jobs like that coming up. And if they were, you know, there weren't much, many of us doing it. Mm -hmm. So that was something I would like to do. And looking back, I would have done something like that. And those are things that I can't change, and I wish I could turn back the hands of time, as Tyrone Davis said. The the men in your neighborhood, what jobs do they have? The other men that, you know, your father communicated with and talked to, I guess, what other if you didn't know about that, which it, it makes perfectly sense. I mean, we this is a non Internet generation. What kind of jobs did you see other men working in your community? Ford Motor Company, Great Lakes Steel, <laughs> McLeod Steel, uh, where is it? Chrysler. They all work in factories, every single one of them. Mm hmm. All my buddies' dads, they all worked. And it was, that's so surprising. Looking back, everybody had a mother and father. Everybody had a daddy at home. Everybody had their butt in the house in dark, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We knew where everybody was. It's just amazing how the world's changed. But worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a lot worse, you know, because, I mean, you're a parent. I, I could tell your kids what to do without you coming down the street and saying, don't tell my kid what to do. Because you know I was telling them right. But now these people are crazy. Don't tell my kid what to do. And you didn't see moms looking all crazy. Everybody got along. This the whole world was better. This is why I like happy, not happy days, though. 
Back to the Future because it reminds mm-hmm. me so much of my childhood. Look at those days. You know, I think it's, I certainly know that change started taking place. I'm trying not to put all my stories in as well, because this is about you, but this crosses both of us because we already saw that change when I think of the incidents that you had protecting the home with kids around the house. And I, I remember three distinct incidents. I remember the fight I got into with Ricky Collins. Uh, Ricky, I hope you're doing well. If you hear this, I've never forgot about you and your face is still right there in my mind. Um, But I remember the fight I got into with Ricky Collins and you took me around the corner. And when you got home, I remember mama was home because I I tried to beat his head into the ground and then he had his buddy. So him and his buddy both tried to fight me and I ran home, got my baseball bat, ran back out the house. Mama was yelling at me to come back in. Then they started running because I had the baseball bat. And then when you came home, you took me. I don't even know how you knew where they live because I don't remember knowing where Ricky lived. But um, I remember we go went over there and that was the first time uh, I remember you talked to Ricky's dad. And that was the first time I heard somebody say the woodshed. And I remember I asking you on the way back, daddy, what's the woodshed? And you said, that's where the old folks say they used to give whoopings to people. <laughs> so uh, I remember his Ricky dad said he was going to take him to the woodshed because he was bullying me. He was p- they say bullying nowadays, but he was picking on me. So all right, we're going to fight. And then I remember uh, I, I remember that kid that stayed. Uh, was it Moochie? Um, that young kid, and I remember oh, you called corner. him. Yeah, yeah. His mama came around, and and I think wanted to call the cops or something like that. But it was yeah. you already saw that change because I don't think he had a daddy at home. So here his no. mama come, and he around there messing with us, you know. <laughs> so I remember him telling me that what are you gonna do, me? I'm saying, man, I would kill you. I, I, just, I don't know. By the grace of God, I didn't grab that boy. <laughs> I really wanted to. <laughs> so you you already saw this was in the 80s we saw that change especially having more single mothers in the community where i and i also remember you uh, we don't know if the statute of limitations is over with but let's just say when we thought it was a, a bb gun somebody was shooting oh. a bb gun at our window and at the dog and we, you made those kids run when you went out the house with the rifle and uh those that yeah. i think their grandfather or fathers came down and again it yeah, was the men Yes, yes. It was the men that came down and had a conversation. They didn't come down with their guns, getting ready to shoot. They're going to shoot. They were. I remember talking. I'll never forget. They said, look, next time my name is such and such and such and such. If you have a problem with my boys, just come get me. I'll take care of them. So problems were handled a lot different. Right. But you could see that the mamas was, you know, don't be you messing with my kid. You know, <laughs> right, right. And that's the way it is today, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought about that before, too. I must have been crazy back in the day to do stuff like that. <laughs> but it's all about protecting your family. Don't touch my family. End of story. Yes. Don't care how big a little you are. Don't touch them. <laughs> yes. You, know, you got you to fight me too. Simple as that. Well, I think they would say that's wrong now, but that's it. Yes. Because that leads me into growing up in the hood. Um, you growing up then in Detroit. How did that shape you into the man that you are today? 